Chelsea Fairless. And we are back with another recap episode of And Just Like That. How are you feeling this week? I think I'm even past acceptance and I have a new theory, which is I think I'm dead. (laughs) Dead inside or literally dead? Well, okay, maybe not dead. I'm having a sort of Jacob's Ladder DMT last moments before I expire hallucination because I think that's the only way I can explain episode eight of In Just Like That. That's the only way we can explain Aiden and Carrie shacking up in that Hudson Yards apartment. Yeah, I can't even hate on this episode because there were definite improvements, but Carrie and Aiden together feels like me trying to tell you a dream I had the night before. Like, hey, I had this crazy dream that Carrie and Aiden got back together. And she talks about a cutting board that we never saw in the series. It is very surreal. I do agree with you. Should we just start with the hotel room? Yeah, even though it feels like moments after the last episode ended, it seems to be a month has gone by. They are in bed together. They are fighting over who should close the curtains. And you get the sense from their dialogue they have been at this hotel for several days because they go, yeah, well, I closed it last night. Oh, well, I closed it the day before that. It's like, shouldn't you just agree to close these curtains the night before? They're too busy fucking to think about such things. And I'm happy for Carrie. I like that she's having sex. Although there is a somberness to this still. Or is it just me? Or maybe it was the lighting. Because for me, I was like, damn, Sarah Jessica Parker looks incredible with all that light flooding in. Yeah, she looks beautiful. She decides to get the $26 omelet again. Girl, as if that's expensive to you. You know that Daddy MPK only wrote that they got an omelet to introduce this runner through the entire episode of... Aiden's chicken that walks into the house. What came first, Aiden's chicken or the egg? (laughs) No, you're totally right. I just think the omelet needed to be more expensive for this to have impact. This is the equivalent of me being like, oh God, I guess I'll just go and get another 99 cent can of Diet Coke. (laughs) In uh, Carrie's wealth. $26 is like a penny. That's right. That's practically carry at the Dollar Tree store or something. Like I saw what she did at Bergdorf's. Like, let's not front like a $26 omelet is expensive. Well, as we know from the Writer's Room podcast, Sarah Jessica Parker wrote a little fan fiction and Carrie returned most of those Bergdorf shoes. I do not accept this reality. Before we go to the next scene, I do just want to say, and I don't know what made me think of this, but when peering at John Corbett's visage in this scene, I was suddenly reminded of men who look like old lesbians tumblr (laughs) that was good (laughs) yeah and it's like a late stage photo of paul mccartney and like a early justin bieber oh my god aaron sorkin i i remember on that tumblr oh we should also mention that this is where it's introduced that aiden has a farmhouse in norfolk virginia And that's where his sons live, and he wants Carrie to come to the house and, like, meet his boys or whatever. No, it's the opposite. Carrie goes, I'd love to meet those boys. And he has this look of shock of, like, am I with the wrong Carrie Bradshaw? (laughs) 
And then he's like, I would love that too. The quickness of this relationship is all carry forward. And not to be Miranda, but like, isn't this a little soon to meet his sons? I don't know. They're very clearly in a warp speed lesbian type relationship, which somehow you are also in one, despite the fact that you're with a cis straight man. I more mean that you definitely know on the weeks that Kathy has the boys, she's like, oh, Carrie, let me tell you a thing or two about dad's new girlfriend. <laughs> so Carrie is in her apartment looking up homes in Norfolk, which I was like, those seem to be UK homes. That's quickly answered in, in the following scene. I'm just glad we see where she keeps all of those rosettes. That was the other thing, that box full of the tool flowers. I was like, is that storage or is that a new delivery? <laughs> yeah, we'll never know. I also love that she's eating a cup of noodles because she still keeps it real. She spent all of her money on $26 omelets and is now forced to buy ramen from her local bodega. Well, Carrie's eating habits have always been a little sus, especially this season where it's like, okay, 56-year-old Sarah Jessica Parker as Carrie Bradshaw's eating a burger and instant ramen. Yes, but I love this because that's true to the character. We saw what she ate in all of those diner scenes. Cancel my rice pudding. So now we have Carrie, the girls, plus Seema all having brunch together, we learned that Aiden's boys are 14, 17, and 20. So Wyatt is 20. No, the Tate was the one that we met. Oh, Tater Tot, you're right. They grow up so fast. It feels like just yesterday that I was running away from Burger and I ran smack dab into your dad holding you in a baby Bjorn. There's a reference to the Suffern house, which I did appreciate. That was a bit of fan service I did enjoy. Oh yeah, that was a great line. She said, I'm still traumatized by that shack he had upstate. Us too. And then Carrie invokes the film based on the novel Howard's End. Have you ever seen the movie or I know you've never read the book. Have you read the book? No, of course okay. not. <laughs> well, you delivered that accusatory of like... You dumb bitch, yeah. you don't read. Have you seen Howard's End the film? No, but we should because it has like all of our favorite British actresses in it. Do it. So Seema is immediately suspicious. Did you notice Seema's energy off in this scene? Seema was disassociating during this scene. She was disassociating the first time that Carrie said we. Disassociating in a Hamptons house down payment. <laughs> I just would love to see it. her pan down to her phone and cancel the Airbnb <laughs> reservation on the spot. So she hands the phone to Seema of like, look how cute these red brick houses are. And Seema, like me, is like, you Googled the UK, you bitch. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this next scene, Chelsea, we might spend the rest of the episode talking about, which is this Carrie and Miranda walk and talk. Yeah, Carrie looks like a stoner, but with a blowout. Okay, what the fuck is this Carrie outfit? She's wearing like a vintage looking plaid mohair coat, Birkenstocks, those big wool socks that people wear with Birkenstocks. And like a tote bag. It's giving bag lady. So Miranda regrets turning down the internship, which is a lovely callback to the first season where I think collectively as an audience, when Miranda decided to spend the summer with Che instead of doing the internship at the Human Rights Watch, we all went, you dumb bitch. No, but like going to LA with Che is way more interesting than whatever this is. Very fair. <laughs> Like, good call, girl. Typically throughout this season, I've been annoyed at these additional character details that happen 
sometime in the past that we never got to see just because there's such a rich history with the show that you can do callbacks. But I did appreciate this reference to at some point from the second film to now, Miranda did a two week silent meditation that she could only last for two days. Yeah. Jennifer Beals also did that on the L word. Oh, how long did she last? Literally like two days. That would have been a great Miranda episode. No, not an eat, pray, love Miranda episode. I just had a bolt of pit because I was like, oh God, did they do that season one of And Just Like That? And I've completely blocked it out. No, I don't think they had Miranda go on a silent meditation retreat. But this is the scene where we get the most shocking line of dialogue since And Just Like That Big Died. I'll just read it. These past couple of weeks, I've been having orgasms like I never have in my entire life with anyone, including Aiden. I think I was holding a piece of myself back because of Big, like I couldn't or wouldn't allow myself to fully go there. Was Big a big mistake? I screamed. I ran out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) I should explain. I ran out of the house to where Paul's office is and said, you got to hear what the fuck Harry just said. How lucky for him. He's getting (laughs) non-consensual recaps of a show that he clearly very deliberately chose not to watch. This is something that would make sense if you knew that and just like that had a different showrunner. Not the man who single-handedly engineered Carrie and Big being Endgame, <laughs> right? This is the dividing line between Darren Star, Candace Bushnell, and Daddy MPK. They always saw Darren Star and Candace Bushnell saw Carrie being single. When Michael Patrick King took over as showrunner somewhere in season three, four, he shifted it to the fact that Carrie and Big were always going to end up together. Yes. So to do this now is, I mean, I'm still trying to process it. How are those Aiden apologists feeling? How are those people that were never team big? Are they like, I fucking knew it. I fucking knew Aiden was the one for Carrie. Yeah, but I don't even know if this really served the Aiden apologists. First of all, Carrie shouldn't speak ill of the dead. (laughs) Don't talk about how Mr. Big can't fuck like Aiden. I don't even think it's a sex thing because if you listen to the Writer's Room podcast, they reference basically Big being able to satisfy Carrie in the series more than Aiden could. So it's more a Carrie unlocking thing. I do understand we are a younger age bracket than Carrie. I understand that as you get older, sex gets better. You get more comfortable in your body. Yay for Carrie. But for some people. Okay, sorry. For some people. But this is just an insane thing to say that like, I was so obsessed with Mr. Big from my 30s to now that actually I was holding myself back sexually, which... But do you believe that Carrie's having the best sex of her life right now? I think you could have done this storyline with someone who wasn't Aiden, and that would be much yes. funnier. You would have had the Jazz Guy episode where she's like, I, can, I only usually orgasm like this when I'm in love with someone. That could have been an interesting way to introduce that of like, oh, wow, I'm having the best sex of my life after Big? Big was not a mistake. Aiden and her broke up because he was demanding to get married and have kids ASAP, which is not the life that she wanted. 
So when she says, did I make a mistake? Is she saying, I'm sorry, I regret not having children and settling down at 35? I look at it as probably a more myopic viewpoint of like, oh, Aiden is the one for me without really considering all of the things that Aiden wanted in his life. Why is Miranda speechless? If I was Miranda, if I had held her hand through their crazy ass relationship, their breakups, their broken engagements, the Mexicoma, the getting back together, the death, only to be told that like this man wasn't the one anyway, I would be like, fuck this shit. I think a better question is why doesn't Carrie Bradshaw have a therapist? What a great thing to say to a therapist and try to work out. Miranda's unprepared for this. The audience is unprepared for this because we're basically being told that everything we've seen has been a lie. Yeah, it feels even more disrespectful than when Miranda and Steve's marriage broke down. Miranda and Steve breaking up makes sense, but to retcon their relationship as if it weren't an active choice that Miranda wanted to be with Steve, marry him, have this life, makes you as the audience member feel insane. And it's similar, which is like, You made us believe that Big was the one. You made us, even after he left her at the altar, we rooted for them to fucking get married. We were happy that their marriage survived kissing Aiden in the second film. We were sad he died in the first episode, only for you to be like, just kidding. What if Aiden was the love of her life? Chill, it's like the worst version of the Before trilogy. It's a choice, but I think it is bizarre to insinuate that that breakup was like entirely Carrie's fault. The Aiden breakup. Yes. Yes. Like she threw away this perfect man and she could have had this different, better life. Like, no, you didn't even want to wear this man's ring on your finger. It's not the idea in and of itself that Carrie and Aiden get back together. It's, again, the execution. This makes a lot of sense. He got what he thought he wanted from life, which was, you know, children, marriage, that whole thing. Carrie got what she wanted, which was a life with Big. Now that they satisfied that, they can be together without all of those expectations that neither of them could ever meet. It's very logical that they would be together again. I don't think that we need to destroy the legacy of her relationship with Big in order to make this meaningful. And I don't even like Big that much. I'm now like, (laughs) it's forcing us to be big defenders. Well, we are big defenders. If it's a choice between Big and Aiden, we know who we're siding with. All right, let's get out of this scene. Again, we can talk about this for the rest of our lives, but we cut to the Upper East Side with Charlotte prepping the family that she's going back to work. They don't care. She can't get no respect in this family. But what I got from this scene is that Charlotte was a docent at MoMA, which we learn in the series, evidently the Frick, and... I don't know if the writers remember this, but last season was on the board at the Met. I assume she's still on the board. Wait, is that how they got tickets to the Met Gala? No, that would make a lot of sense. So it's Miranda's first day at her new internship. It's giving the intern starring Robert De Niro (laughs) and Anne Hathaway. Also, the music in this scene, this like weird, plucky, Home Alone-esque hijinks ensue music. Oh yeah, I did notice that. So Miranda is introduced to the other interns, Serena and Sloan, one of which hands Miranda a half-eaten garlic cookie, which is actually delicious. And I was, immediately I was like, oh, they're pranking her. But 
They don't. Like, was that supposed to be mean? I didn't get the through line with the cookie. I think it was just a, a nice thing that each of them were trying to do for each other. But, you know, when you hear garlic cookie, you just are like... Uh, Especially a half-eaten garlic cookie. Yeah. Like, we got cookies. Here's a cookie. But it's like, do you want my half-eaten cookie? I've never met this person in my life. It's like, no. You're right. If I offered you a half-eaten cookie, you'd be like, maybe. But if... Someone you just met. Yeah, you don't know what kind of herpes they have. This is a very brisk episode. Like, we're, we're not touching down on any one person for particularly long. And Naya, did you not realize Naya's not in this episode at all? She's not been in a couple of the episodes this season. So now we have Che at work. Carrie stops by. Sada back in scrubs. For oh, our, yeah. For our Grey's Anatomy fans. Carrie wants to sublet the Hudson Yards apartment because Aiden still refuses to come over to her apartment and she glosses over this psychotic detail when explaining the situation to Che. If I may break this down, because it's confusing, Carrie asks to rent Che's place. Che will stay at Carrie's, but Carrie will stay at Carrie's place when Aiden isn't in town and Che will stay at their own place. Yes. What? It's a good deal for Che if Carrie is covering their rent. By not getting that $26 omelet, she was able to fully sublet Che's place. What is going to happen with this thing where Aiden will not set foot in her apartment? Because I feel like either it's kind of just going to be accepted and they'll just buy an apartment together and move in there and have that be a thing, or they're going to break up over it. Or, I mean, if we're going with my theory of like, is this just going to wrap up the Sex and the City saga? Does she leave the apartment and have a life in Virginia and leaves New York entirely? Wait, but wasn't Divorce already a show? We already saw that show. And didn't we joke that this would be Carrie's life if she had married Aiden? It was. It was. Actually, in retrospect, Divorce, similar to And Just Like That, Sarah Jessica Parker was just pissed that divorce was canceled prematurely. So she's trying to put that energy into, and just like that. Can I say, because we talk a lot about the side characters of side characters, Judy, who runs the vet, is my favorite side character of a side character. And I'm going to say something very controversial, and some of you fuckettes may think that I've gotten a lobotomy, but I like Che. Yes. Let's give these writers props, because... It is very obvious that they put a lot of effort into making the audience empathize with Che, bringing Che up, and they did that. They succeeded. Che, outside of their dynamic with Miranda, is a much less insufferable person. And while they did say Curry Lingus a few episodes ago, most of the really cringy stuff like that has been avoided. Well, also, because they seemingly have dropped their... Their comedy act. I think it's also like when you think about it, when you look at all the characters on and just like that, who would you want to be trapped in an elevator with? Because I think I'd rather be with Che than with Carrie. At this stage, probably. Yeah. But I certainly wouldn't want to be with Carrie and Eden in an elevator anytime soon. <laughs> so over at the Hot Fellas HQ, which still seems to be only staffed with one person. One person plus Giuseppe. He shows Anthony how to knead dough seductively, which recalls the pottery wheel scene in Ghost. Yes. Anthony, you in danger, girl. 
<laughs> he tries to fire him when he learns he's gay, which I think is like the definition of workplace discrimination, but whatever. And sexual harassment, like perfectly converging. A Lizzo work environment, you could say. For sure. We learned that Anthony evidently had a rule, which I really didn't take into account given... The men we saw working at Hot Fellas, I guess we were supposed to understand they were all straight men because Anthony doesn't work with any gays. So he's not tempted. It seems like a very Mike Pence-esque thought process. Giuseppe, who, thank God they've not painted as a dumb character, is like, mm, I get the sense that you're firing me because I'm gay. And he's like, I'm going to talk to a lawyer. <laughs> And he's like, uh, you're not fired. You're just put on probation for a day. And then he leaves the scene by saying an Italian girl, take a chill pill. So Charlotte and LTW are shopping. LTW in what is clearly a Samantha Winter look. I thought that was probably the best look in this episode. There's not much to go around. I mean, this Charlotte outfit, Charlotte is shopping with LTW because she wants to buy the modern day version of her old school gallerina outfits. And when that outfit comes out, I'm like, is that what Charlotte wore back in the day? Not really. Also, it just looks better without the belt. I'm sorry. This is not about weight. This is about that dress. We got to get rid of the belt. If there's one thing I've learned from Anne, just like that season two, it's like, don't belt anything. You know, we had Aiden last week with the belted jacket. We have this belt this week. Yeah, it's more of like a from the movie Charlotte look. Well, it's like a gossip girlified version of what someone working in a gallery would wear. It's not, yeah, it's not giving art gallery. It's giving woman who lives on the Upper East Side and has a cupcake apron. The outfit does not fit Charlotte to her liking. A sales associate brings out different outfits, more of a... What would you call them? Well, one of them was just like a dress that was like a size 18. I'm like, girl, that's just not going to fit her. <laughs> and the other one was more of like a Victorian inspired one that actually I think that would have been the better choice if you're working in an art gallery. Like those girls look like haunted Simone Rocha baby dolls. And so... Charlotte is like, don't worry, I'll just take this one. And the sales associate turns to LTW. She's like, what did I do wrong? To which LTW is like, nothing, you're just 25. It's like, why do I feel bad for this 25-year-old sales associate? It was unprompted, though. It's not like Charlotte was like, I need something bigger. Right. I understand. I mean, how many times have you been shopping and a sales associate has handed you something where it's like, I didn't, I didn't ask for this. Yeah, that's a universal experience. So then we have Charlotte in her closet looking at old photos, which are very clearly press stills, <laughs> including the photo that she finds of herself that she sticks onto the dress as a way to, I guess, conjure old Charlotte. Okay, but it's like she wasn't wearing a belt there. That's the thing. It's like we either need to Photoshop in a belt or something to make there be some sort of visual link between that look and this look. Yeah, she wore simple black dresses or a Prada lipstick skirt. What a great moment oh. to bring back the Prada lipstick skirt. I feel like they will do that, actually. It's not that hard to source. Kristen Davis has it. How do we know this? Because we did a 20th anniversary screening in 2018 where she graced us with her presence and wore the Prada lipstick skirt. Yeah, I have a feeling we will see that reemerge at some point. So now we have Carrie and Aiden at Chase. Carrie explains, which is the gospel of Airbnb, right? Which is pretend you're a family member of this person's Airbnb because they're not technically supposed to be doing this. 
And so they run into a neighbor who is just a jump scare several times in this episode. <laughs> a nameless person, we barely hear his voice, uh, just threatening Carrie and Aiden's happiness. I liked um, Aiden's little bit of dialogue where he tried to explain that we are they, them's cousin. That's their pronoun. Also, is he wearing the jacket again? Yes, it's the jacket. What a difference like a belt makes. Also, he calls himself Brad and Carrie Janet. Those are their cover names to which he asked Carrie, why did I say those names? And she goes, oh, because of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And he goes, damn it, Janet. And I'm like, do I think that Rocky Horror Picture Show is like a reference that Carrie and Aiden share? Would you not have thought Rocky Horror? How many times have you seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Because I think I've seen it probably five times. In the theater when I was like in high school. I've seen it a handful of times. It's just something where it's like, I can't imagine the two of them watching that movie together. I can't imagine Aiden watching that movie. Carrie would definitely watch that movie. There's a lot of things in this episode, and maybe it's just anticipatory dread, that I kept thinking that Carrie and Aiden were going to get in a fight. Like when Aiden opens up all those drawers in Che's kitchen and is like, where is everything? Yeah, he was going to be like, this place is too shitty for me or whatever or i thought he was gonna turn to her and be like like the people have references in in girls the last scene between adam driver and adam and and hannah when they realize there's just nothing left to say actually i thought he was just gonna open up all those empty drawers and be like what are we doing but no instead they go to a homeware store, which we saw in paparazzi photos this, these were i think the first paparazzi photos we saw of them together When I first saw those photos, I had assumed they bump into each other, but could never have predicted that the reason that they are shopping together is because they have sublet Chase Blake. (laughs) Meanwhile, at Seema's office, her boss, played by the actor John Glover, who was Lex Luthor's dad on Smallville, and the guy who pushed Uma Thurman's poison ivy and like the radioactive plants that made her poison ivy. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I was wondering where I knew him from. There you go. Anyway, he comes barreling through because there's a Marvel director who needs a long-term lease. It was about a matter of time, Chell, before we got a Marvel (laughs) reference in the world of Sex and the City or in Just Like That. Who is this man? Because he does look like some sort of Robert Downey Jr. Dermot Mulroney face morph. Yes. I mean, I don't know. You have no idea who he is. No. Probably the only actor, ironically, that's never been in a Marvel film. (laughs) is playing this character. This is also weird because it leads nowhere. I would like to assume this gets picked up in a following episode. Of course. This is her new love interest. She's going to have this boyfriend. Like, she can't have another penis pump guy, can she? It's the love of her life until, you know, she finds him shitting weird in her bathroom or something equally gross. (laughs) So Miranda's at her internship. It is very clear that the other interns hate her because I think we forgot to reference... The previous scene, Miranda is asked to take notes, which I guess is the higher level grunt work. So she's not having to pay her dues. And obviously this annoys the other interns. Miranda comes, tries to have lunch with them, brings the garlic cookies. Again, I keep thinking this is going to end up in some prank, but it doesn't. Well, I also was forced to Google garlic chocolate chip cookie because I was like, oh, is this just a full thing that I'm unaware of? And yes, it is. 
it sounds like a New York Times type of cookie. So because they can't talk shit about her in front of Miranda, they immediately get on their phones, which this really feels like the 50-something-year-old writers in the room think that younger people would do. Yeah, we're not this flagrant. And also the fact that Miranda immediately clocks it and is like, hey, I might be paranoid people I've just met, but um, I can't help but feel like you're texting about me and talking shit. And they put their phones down. They're like, no. These girls are bitches, clearly. Again, like, would much rather be in LA with Che Diaz. But glad that Miranda is working and whatnot. So there's a brief scene with Charlotte and Harry. Harry again is like, maybe you shouldn't wear the belt, which makes Charlotte very upset. It's like, I'm glad you said that, Chelsea, because I was like, I feel like it looks better without the belt. Harry, ever the supportive husband, is like, I think you're fucking hot. And she's like, no, I'm not going to lose the belt. I need to lose this belly, which I was like, oh, no. Is this where we're going with this storyline? Look, at least this is realistic for sure. Like this is a common struggle for a lot of people, especially as you age and especially, you know, when you start a new job, yada, yada, yada. But this is where it's revealed where she's been on a bone broth diet. Because that's evidently what used to work for her pre-menopause. I don't like that we're introducing this weird disordered eating backstory for Charlotte. It's like, ugh. To be fair, she only ate pudding in Mexico in the first film. So I guess this is not that surprising. So Carrie and Aiden, is he back? Are we still in the same week? Yeah, this wasn't clear to me why they kept coming and going. Because it was never explicitly said, oh, you know, I have one week on and one week off with the kids are we supposed to think that he's going to virginia one week and coming back for a week or like what is happening whatever is happening i'm just glad that carrie still has those vivian westwood suitcases yeah there's a line in the brunch scene about the week that kathy has him he is coming up week after week but there's no sense of time between scenes in this episode that weeks are going by yeah but he's clearly back they have suitcases again they get in the elevator with the, uh, who I like to call the apartment narc, since he doesn't have a name. We then cut to Che at Carrie's place. And of course, they are using all of Carrie's cool shit. <laughs> so Che gets a call. Again, so many things that I thought were going to have dramatic tension in this episode just don't. Like Che gets a call from the apartment narc neighbor because Aiden forgets the fake name he gave to himself. So he calls himself Doug Brad now. And so Che shows up at the apartment. I was like, oh, okay, this is a new thing. Che's going to get kicked out of their apartment. No. Yeah, Che's just like swinging by to hang. Yes, Aiden is making chili. Carrie is opening beers on the countertop. Well, I'm impressed. I like that. Which, by the way, I mean, Che's not going to get their security deposit back with that kind of treatment of countertops. So Che just goes right in there and is like... So why did you guys break up? Like, why didn't this work out? The first time, which I'm like, the first time they had two go arounds. And then Carrie says something not as shocking as the was big, a big mistake, but pretty shocking, which is I made a mistake. Yeah, I should have married him and popped out three kids that sound like they're in a country Western band and moved upstate. Or down to Virginia. Right, or down to Virginia <laughs> specifically. There feels like a very large elephant in the room that I think you and I have maybe given too much credit that this is going to come back in future episodes, but it just seems like they're just going to forget 
the reasons why their relationship ended to begin with. This freaked me out. Girl, it was not your fault. This man could not chill. When you said you needed space was like, let's just have a shotgun wedding tonight and could accept no other reality and basically gave her an ultimatum. It feels like the subtext is, if I could have, I don't know, done years of therapy and realized that I was attracted to an unavailable man that I spent decades fixating on, I could have had a happy life with Aiden. No, no, no. So then we get a brief scene of Charlotte and Anthony chatting at each other, not really connecting. Charlotte is talking about her weight gain post-menopause, or I guess her inability to lose weight, and how you think of ballerinas, gallerinas, they're all extremely thin, which is a very reductive, bizarre idea where it's like, Again, I, I want Charlotte to work, but like, is this how we have to go about it? Well, a gallerina is also by definition a young person. Like it's front of house people that are hot and thin. You would hope that Charlotte is kind of cramming for her first day of work or something. But I guess instead she's trying to cram herself into that dress. Wink, wink, wink. Ha 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 ha. She puts on... A truly shocking amount of shapewear. I was reminded of this quote that Kim Kardashian said where she was talking to Kylie who had just given birth or something. It must have been on Keeping Up where she's like, you know, I just told Kylie, sometimes you have to like put on three pairs of Spanx and just put on a nice outfit and get out there. That always stuck in my mind of like, are people putting multiple spanks on top of each other? Yeah, I feel like that would defeat the purpose because you just, the thickness of the material would just build up, right? And at a certain point, you're clearly compressing internal organs. Yeah, I mean, I get wearing like two pieces of shapewear, but more than two seems a little wild, but to each their own. So this is wild. Carrie and Seema are at the hair salon. Yeah, have we ever seen Carrie get her hair done during the series? We did in the first movie. Yes. When, yeah, she went brunette, which in retrospect, a cry for help. Season two is really just a season of people that would like to run away instead of having a conversation with Carrie Bradshaw. So Seema tries to flee. Carrie sees her and is like, girl, like, we need to talk. You've been ghosting me. You haven't responded to any of my texts about having dinner with Aiden. And Seema's like, I'm going to need to smoke for this conversation. So they go out and have a deep and meaningful. Seema's basically just like, I can't deal with being the third wheel. Why would she think that she'd be a third wheel? Why would she not think that the Hamptons house just isn't happening? Even Carrie, when Seema brings this up, is like, oh, I forgot about the fact that we were going to rent that house. Yeah, that broke my heart a little bit. So Seema just went ahead and got the deposit back. And I guess we'll be like, you know what? I'll just give me your information. I'll direct deposit it into your account. I thought this was the realest scene in this episode. Because I really think that it is a very common experience when you have a friend and you both want the same thing and one person gets the thing, whatever it is, there is a tension around that. Well, also I imagine, not that this is directly referenced, but if I were Seema, who in this scene declares that she's never had a great love and that Carrie has had these two great loves, that it kind of feels like cheating in the sense that it's like, you didn't find someone new. You reconnected with this other great love. And they are treating it like, well, Big's gone. Let's, Aiden comes up. 
she didn't realize that Carrie had fully benched this man, <laughs> you know, when they were commiserating and single and all of that. In one sense, you can understand Carrie's perspective, which is I'm not worried about losing money. I'm, a, I'm worried about losing a friend to which Seema's like, I just need space. And Carrie's like, no, space just gives friends more space, which I assume is a reference to Samantha. If someone's telling you they need space, you have to give them space. Like, I did think it was very curious to be like, no, I'm not going to give you space. And Seema's like, bye, girl. Ironically, it's what she was once asking Aiden for herself, <laughs> which is what led to their breakup. Carrie's a complicated person. Now she wants no space. Yeah, I really felt for Seema. It is nice that there continues to be at least... Each episode, it's usually Seema doing it to varying degrees of success, but showing the single female perspective. Do we want to discuss Anthony and Giuseppe? Let's do Giuseppe. He comes into work. Anthony's like, I thought I told you to not come to work. And he's like, crazy isn't my first language. Pretty funny. Pretty funny as another funny line of... When Anthony's like, well, I thought you were straight. And he goes, a straight poet? Burn. (laughs) And then Giuseppe just goes in and kisses him. Yeah, this is a trope that's been seen in various rom-coms, none of which I can call to mind now. But the, uh, I quit so we can be together. Mm -hmm. And I guess we got another side character. We got Giuseppe now. I can hang with Giuseppe. Because Anthony is full of life and fun, even though he's high-strung and neurotic, obviously, and that's central to the character, there's still a lightness to the show when he's on screen. And it's fun to have a character dating a younger person. I mean, obviously, there was an age difference between Miranda and Che, but this feels truer to life. Yeah, but Miranda and Che, it didn't feel age-gappy either. So Charlotte arrives at the gallery... She sees herself in the window and is like, okay, I got to take off this belt. Thank you. She meets these Rick Owens gallerinas who look very austere. But again, it's like not even their thinness. It's how they're dressed that makes them intimidating. Yeah, Charlotte could have easily gone to Rick Owens and gotten herself a leather jacket with like sculpted point shoulders. Yeah, so she looks like a gothic pterodactyl. But then she meets another one of the gallerinas, which is like a curvier gal in a crop top. And just like that, 50 years of social conditioning around thinness just go out the window. This storyline isn't what I think it is, is it? Look, I stand a body positive queen, but this did feel like a very abrupt revelation. Although I do think it does speak to a generational thing. Obviously, it's more common for younger people to wear revealing clothing now, just in general. And that includes bigger bodies. But there's no follow-up where she's talking to her daughters or Harry about how all of this social conditioning, it's just sort of like, oh, you can be a gallerina too? It's almost as if she's never seen a fat person. It is dealt with so clunkily that it almost feels like, oh, I didn't know people like you could work at art galleries. Well, let me just take all my spanks off. <laughs> no, it's so true. Does Michael Patrick King think he's doing a body positive episode? Like, is this a very special episode of In Just Like That? That's absolutely what this is. It does vaguely feel like something that would happen on Full House. Then we see Charlotte throw away easily $300 worth of shapewear. No, no, no. More like $250 because she does grab one back. And she has that good shit. So then we have Miranda and her internship. 
a lot of this episode is real like Gen X boomer fanfic about like, you know what? It's not about being young and shiny and plucky. Experience is what trumps everything. Because I don't know how to take this storyline either, which is Miranda corrects the two interns who are leaving about one of them didn't include the migration stats. Oh, the migration stats. But don't worry, I can put them back. And they're like, well, I guess you're just perfect, Miranda. To which she's like, no, I'm a sexually confused alcoholic, which who's in the midst of a divorce. Who's in the midst of a divorce. Sorry, I forgot that detail, which is just like. Well, now no one's going to want to hang out with you. I mean, I would. Any fellow intern that just opens with that, I'm like, okay. Yeah, these girls can fuck off. And they do fuck off, which allows her boss, who we've yet to mention is pregnant, which I was like, that's an interesting choice. But it's all to say that I'm pregnant and therefore I need you to replace me. Person who's been at this job for a few weeks yeah but person that's worked as a lawyer for 30 years again it's like experience and privilege are not one and the same who's to say that these interns aren't also privileged Miranda obviously was doing some approximation of their job when she was their age and yeah if you're going on maternity leave and you have to leave the human rights watch office to someone Probably someone that has three decades of work experience, not the worst idea. Yeah, not the intern that like you don't trust enough to even take notes in a meeting. I'm so interested to see how this storyline is going to play out because the interns clearly fucking hate her. Miranda is aware of this, but she's still going to be the boss of them. So now we have the girls with Aiden at dinner. So Chell, this is the scene where John Corbett was photographed with cigarettes, right? So this must be John Corbett in between scenes with a cigarette. Oh, because he wasn't wearing sunglasses or anything either. No, I think he was just fucking around behind set. So maybe we are not going to get a a smoking Aiden or perhaps this was a storyline that was cut. Yeah, I think that was a fake out. I think they're just fucking with us. I did scream when they mentioned the chicken a fucking again. Kind of a throwback to sex in the city, though, because we got the roof chickens. That's true. Seema walks in, obviously a nod to the scene in season two when she doesn't think that Big is going to show up to the club denial, and he does. All I want is the four of them catching up, and if Seema's there, great, but it's like all we get is talk of the chicken. I know. I think we all really wanted that scene. It reminds me of something like at Charlotte's wedding rehearsal when she's getting married to Trey or the scene of, I think it's Belle of the Balls, where they're all playing pool together. It's That's the kind of connective tissue shit. Or like at the end of the first film when they're all at a diner eating, it's like, that's the stuff you never see. Like, that's, mm, that's, that's the marrow. That's what I want. <laughs> and they're like, no, Carrie's got to go to Virginia. So we got to get her in the apartment plucking out the book Howard's End and leaving to go see Aiden in Virginia. And just like that, I went to Aiden's farm. It wasn't Howard's End. It was better. It was our new beginning. When the end just like that kept going, I was like, oh, they're really like, this is the longest end just like that we've ever had. Well, also, this is our new beginning, which feels like it gives credence to my belief that she might move down to Virginia. (sighs) I still have hope that there's going to be a fun twist or a catch or something, or maybe Eden's the emotionally unavailable one this time. But no, they're just fully 
available to each other. Carrie is instantly ready to compromise previous boundaries she had down to meet those kids. I personally think it's too soon, but that's my inner Miranda. Is this where, and just like that, becomes stepmom, like the film with Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon. Are you going to lose your mind if those three kids end up in New York by season end? Oh my God. If they make Aiden's wife die of cancer, only so Carrie can finally be a mother to three teenagers, I'm going to scream. Two very important questions are put forth. Was big a mistake? And I made a mistake. That there, there's no follow-up conversation with characters who have known her for 25 years, 30 years to say like, hey, remember when you didn't want to marry Aiden? The fact that Miranda just pushed that down is crazy. Also for Charlotte not to be like, hey, remember when we were in a playground when we were 38 and I asked if you wanted kids and you were like, I don't know, probably not. And then you just never had children. Also, it was established in Sex and the City too that like, They did not want kids. Big and Carrie, yes, they shared that. But again, we don't know if the writers are trying to infer that she regretted not having a family or not. I really feel like they didn't even consider that. I really feel like, you know how Halloween came out, the like new trilogy of Halloween films that David Gordon Green did? And he was like, all of those sequels after the first Halloween never happened. This is a direct <laughs> sequel to that. I feel like they're like, season four of Sex and the City where Carrie and Aiden got engaged never happened. Like, this is a sequel to season three when she cheated on Aiden with Big. I know no more side characters of the side characters, but I would just love... I just want Judy to have her own show. I will watch a workplace comedy about that office. I'll take a spinoff of Judy and Che's vet clinic. Yeah. What I was going to say is like, I just want to cut to Kathy and be like, so boys, remember when your father went to Abu Dhabi for that rug trip? Well, he kissed Carrie when we were married. Like, did Aiden tell his wife that he kissed Carrie? Or he kept that to himself? We obviously know nothing about their marriage. Although now we do know that she was a textile designer or is a textile designer. I think we knew that in season six. Does he say she's a fellow furniture designer? Oh, yeah. I married another furniture designer. She pivoted. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. I'm truly scared about what... What is in front of us next week? What's going to happen? I don't know because also did you notice there was no trailer at the end for next week's episode? Very scary. But we will be here to talk about that episode, whatever it may be. We'll be here every week, whether you like it or not, talking about it and just like that for three more weeks. And then we will be back to our pop culture bullshit. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.